Big Sloth. Do we really have to get rid of Zeusie? Well, yes, honey, we do. But listen, I don't want you to worry because we are going to get you a really nice, cute new puppy. A puppy? A puppy? Well, what's going to happen to Zeusie? Well, Zeusie is going to find a really nice home. The right home for him. But I have a home. It's right okay? here. We were a good home. I know, but we just weren't the right one for him. So, you have to say goodbye now, okay? Because Grandma's waiting for us. All right? Okay. All right. Okay. All right, Juicy. All right, buddy. See you later, okay? Okay? See you later. No, wait, wait, Ben! Don't go, Ben, please. I'll, I'll do better, I promise. Ben! Don't go! Oh, no. No, Kara, Kara, don't cry, Kara, it's okay. Hey, everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And uh, we are continuing our holiday-themed month of December, this time with a TV movie, a TV movie classic, The Dog Who Saved Christmas. The Dog Who Saved Christmas. Uh, yeah, I I didn't dig too far into this, but... Uh, yeah, it was made by Stars. It looked like based on the title cards at the beginning. Um, yeah, it, it originally aired on ABC Family, mm -hmm. now Freeform, uh, and it actually won its time slot for cable TV when it debuted in two thousand nine. Yeah, I mean, of course, the Dog Saves Christmas. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a adorable Labrador Retriever, Golden Retriever, Yellow Lab mix, whatever, and it saves Christmas. Mm hmm. Yep. So uh, we did it. Okay. It won yeah. its time slot. We found the silver lining. So anyway, uh, you know. It's a ratings so, juggernaut. So see you back here next week, everyone. <laughs> like, uh, no, but we should, um, I guess we should set it up a little bit more. Uh, so the plot of this movie, uh, this movie is about uh, a woman named Belinda who's in a terrible marriage, uh, who's horribly mistreated and gaslit by her husband. Who's uh, forced to uh, play the villain to her children after her horrible husband <laughs> goes behind her back and uh, who, you know, begrudgingly also saves Christmas. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, this is actually the story of uh, two elderly lesbians who reconnect uh, at the very end of the movie. Um, which, That's the real story. Yeah. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Enough kidding. This is the story of a TV movie that couldn't get Kevin James. So they found the. They got his brother. They got his brother. <laughs> that is his brother. Yeah. Who also has made a career uh, playing his brother in a variety of projects. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Kevin James's brother 
Uh, he's we never find out there. He he or his wife. We don't know what either one of them do for a living, do we? But like they no, but they have a fantastic house in Southern California. No, they are absolutely loaded. They're moving into this really big house, and um, they they move in right before Christmas, and they are worried because there's been a string of robberies in their neighborhood. So the wife, logically. Uh, Belinda, she was like, we should get a home security system. And uh, the husband, uh, who was his George? Uh, yeah. George Bannister says, no, we should get a dog because I clearly had some trauma as a child related to owning a dog that I have not worked out and I'm bringing into our marriage. So we should get a dog so I can work out those feelings. And I'm saying this in front of our children so that you can't actually say no. Uh, and then when you do still say no in front of our children, uh, he goes behind her back and adopts a dog anyway. Uh, and the dog is a nightmare and it doesn't do the one thing that was the reason to get it, which is protect the home. Um, which is bark. Yeah, it doesn't bark. The dog is, uh, incapable of barking and it's not a good guard dog. They, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes hire a random guy to put on a ski mask and break into their house and he throws a stake on the ground which uh, we haven't said the dog the dog's name is zeus uh which zeus goes to the stake instead of mauling this guy to death which would have been passing the test um yeah so they basically just hired a guy to wear a mask and feed their dog steak <laughs> yes uh which uh shows that the dog can't protect them uh, so then this absolute nightmare of a dog, they leave alone in their brand new house after it has wrecked numerous things in the house. Uh, they're just like, OK, well, we're going to take this dog back to the pound, but not now because we have to go to grandma's. So we're going to leave the dog unattended, not in a crate, uh, you know, and we're just going to peace out. And uh, lo and behold, uh, unbeknownst to them, uh, two. <laughs> Uh, New York stereotypes are <laughs> casing their house uh, because they are the the robbers and uh, they in they are bold in broad daylight. They park their <laughs> windowless van in front of the house, get out of it dressed as plumbers and then immediately like take a crowbar to the front door. <laughs> To try to get in. <laughs> yeah, just brazen. No masks, no nothing. Yeah, yeah, their faces are uncovered. They've also done no real recon on the place outside of, like, they parked out in front of it once, and they saw the family leave, and they were like, well, they're leaving, clearly. No, they this is a family who leaves sometimes. Yeah. We can rob this place. And then it's like very clear. Uh, so the dog saves Christmas. Sorry. Uh, spoilers because it fends off this robbery. Um, but like it's it's very clear when the dog starts messing with them and the, the we're like, oh, well, a kid must be here um, left home alone. <laughs> and then they wink at the camera. Um, but, uh, no, they assume it's a kid because they don't even know how many kids are in the house. They've done no prep work for this robbery. Yeah. They're, they're not the best thieves. Uh, one of the thieves is stricken with 
uh, terrible attention deficit disorder. Yeah. Uh, is unable to focus at any point um, to the detriment of their caper. He for- we should have done this last month. Yeah, he forgets at one point that they're even doing a caper and just starts shooting pool in the house. After having made a sandwich. After having made a sandwich. And another sandwich. I think he makes two, He makes one sandwich. He gets yelled at. So he leaves that sandwich on the counter. Because again, they're also not wearing gloves. They're not in any way concerned with any forensic evidence they might leave behind. So he just takes one bite out of a sandwich, leaves it on the counter, and then goes and makes a different sandwich. Uh, and yeah, so they, they spend a lot of time in the house in broad daylight. Um, the family does, in fact, start heading back home. Because they miss their dog. Because they miss their dog that their horrible mother won't let them have. Because <laughs> she's a monster. Yeah. And so um, all, all of that happens. And then uh, also one of the robbers is Dean Kane. I don't I feel like we should mention that at some point. That's I think that's, you know, when, maybe we should say that when we're actively maligning the movie. But <laughs> yeah, Dean Kane plays one of the robbers. Mario Lopez is voicing Zeus. Um, yeah, also because Zeus talks. If that wasn't clear, the dog, we hear its inner monologue the whole time. And the dog, uh, this is a world that this movie takes place in where dogs are aware of everything. Like, this dog knows what therapy is. Like, it, it's intently aware of every, like, it speaks perfect English and knows every it's word. completely fluent in English and, you know, United States culture. <laughs> yeah. Knows, yeah, the ins and outs of the culture, like knows English, knows all of the rituals and everything, but still is a very untrained dog. But I will say in the dog's defense that a lot of this movie hinges on the fact that Zeus is uh, just a, you know, a nightmare in their house. But also at no point does anyone in the, what, like three days that they own Zeus ever attempt to give it a command. <laughs> like, no, not once. Yeah, there's no... Or to be fair, feed it, give it a treat, take it for a walk. Yeah, no, well, there's a whole thing... They cuddle where, it like, up and call it Zeusy a whole bunch, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing that the Belinda gets really mad because Zeus keeps drinking out of the toilet, but there, we never see that they've given the dog a bowl of water that Zeus refuses to drink. So it's entirely possible that if not for the toilet water, Zeus would die of, like, dehydration. Yeah, and it, when after Zeus drinks out of the toilet, he clearly says in his internal monologue, "I'm thirsty. What do you want me to do?" Yeah, no. So these so, so it implies they're not giving him water. Yeah, and yeah, and we also never see them feed him either. So he might not be getting food or water this whole movie. Yeah, I mean, this is there's a there's a chance that this family actually just murdered the residents of the house uh, and have no idea what life is like there because. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but in 2009, Southern California, there is a 0% chance that a house like that has Oscar Mayer baloney in it. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I I thought you were going to say that there's zero chance that that family, just based on what we're shown of them, could afford to live in that house. <laughs> One flaw at a time. <laughs> yeah, unless like it literally is the like unless he's supposed to actually be Kevin James's brother. I don't actually understand how they were able to afford this house. Yeah, because they don't even hint at what any of them do for a living. No, because they never work in the whole movie. Like they're and and sure, the movie is set like immediately around Christmas break, so it makes sense that they're on some sort of vacation. But it's not even like 
we at least knew that Clark W. Griswold was a food additive scientist. Yeah. Yeah. There's no like just a line of dialogue that's like, um, you know, I'm <laughs> really glad that you were given time off from the plastic surgery business there you work. I don't know. I saw some medical textbooks on uh, their bookshelf. I did notice that at what point. I mean, that would explain how a Gary Valentine could land an Elisa Donovan. I guess. You know, I mean, I'm just saying like the attractiveness of the two people is is wildly off even by Hollywood standards. Oh, no, this is 80s sitcom. I mean, Kevin James and Leah Remini is a more realistic pairing than these two. <laughs> yeah, that's it's that that is that is hard facts. And, um, and combine that with the fact that he's a terrible husband, like all throughout this. Yeah, movie. just undermining his wife at literally every turn and literally like pitting the children against her at every turn like look kids it's definitely the two of you and me against your mother so if any if the dog breaks anything we're all gonna lie and say we broke it and if she's upset right. and she wants something that just know that i want you to have this dog so if she tries to take the dog back it's her she's taking the dog back i want you to have a dog that's why I brought it yeah. up for the first time ever in front of you two, so that you heard our whole conversation. Yeah, it's uh man. And yeah, like Elisa Donovan's character is like every just negative battle axe stereotype of everything, like just a just a freaking killjoy, but also completely reasonable and not wanting a dog. She is um as we say in the uh silver linings business. She's a W.A.B. She's a wet ass blanket. This whole movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she just, um, you know, there's some scolds in that house is all I'm saying. <laughs> there are some scolds in that house. Uh, yeah. So she's just she never has a moment. Of, uh, you and I were actually talking about this right before we started recording, like where uh, it's very clear. Elisa Donovan uh, at like in the bloopers that they show at the uh, end of the movie is an utterly delightful, uh, gregarious person who's having a lot of good fun. Humored, good natured. And yeah. She's having a great time on the set of this movie where the second that they hit action, all of her lines are just Marge Simpson groans for like an hour and a half. <laughs> but George. Yeah. Like that is the only reason she exists is to. And, and again, she's right. Also, like everything that is implied about the two uh, people that are trying to like rob their home is that an alarm would have stopped them. Like they didn't yeah. seem capable of disarming because I kind of had that where I was like early on in the movie where I believed that this movie might have put effort into the writing. <laughs> I I thought maybe they would do both. Like they'd have a home security system and a dog and the robbers would immediately disarm the home security system. Therefore kind of showing that George was right in that, like you can't trust home security systems, but you can trust dogs to protect your home. But no, yeah. it's never explored. And they're so bumbling as criminals that, and also the cops are like, just patrolling the street at this point because there's been multiple break-ins they would have responded quickly if an alarm right, would have, would have gone off well before they could get away yeah. that's the other thing so maybe let's think about this 
So it's 2009, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie was probably written in 2007 and made in 2008. Mm-hmm. So this is a house poor family is what this is. They are victims of subprime mortgage lending. Oh, yeah. And that's why they don't have a security system, because they have all their money tied up in this enormous house that's well beyond their means um, that they got at a subprime mortgage rate. Well, so they can't afford a uh, anything else for the house. And now uh, they have to get a dog and they can't, you know... <laughs> And they, they have to, I mean, granted, you should always adopt, not shop. You know, I think that's the right move for getting, uh, adding an animal to your life. But like, he literally just scoops up a pound puppy, essentially. And also, like, you know, doesn't, this pound. No evaluation service, anything. This pound that? is not on the up and up. Like, it oh, is no. it is a dog prison, like with actual yeah. metal prison bars where a bunch of dogs are just kept together in a loose cell like all of them (laughs) they're just not individual cages for each dog they're all just hanging out and there's like six dogs there's also i never like i do not understand the world that this is set in because zeus's name is zeus and maybe dogs in this universe can communicate telepathically because what we see is that Zeus wanders into this pound on his own accord because he's been living on the streets and he wants to be adopted, but he wanders in from the streets. And then the guy who's running the dog jail is just like, this is Zeus. He was a police dog. Here's a backstory. At one point we discovered that an award that Zeus was given for police dogging, the family has like, what how how was any of this communicated to anyone like how do people know dogs names dogs are like they're telepathically dogs. communicating with us right in this movie in this world well they're they're i think they're incepting because it's never made clear that the people understand zeus but but, but they know his the name animals can clearly talk to each other they do know his name yeah which could have been that he had an id tag it didn't seem like he did though but it didn't seem like he did yeah um, it's, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this was movie was poorly written. What? I don't, I don't know yeah, if that I'm checks gonna, out. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say that not a ton of effort was put into. Are you telling me that the movie that hinges on the fact that the dog can't bark and then has the dog bark does so in a way that it doesn't matter or impact the story in any way is badly written that it spends an hour and 10 minutes explaining to us that the dog can't bark and then he just does but it there's no payoff to it it's just like oh that dog's barking and then he unties the chandelier and drops it on them yeah why the hell was the chandelier tied to the banister for the dog to drop on them clearly but yeah, but that's not how chandeliers work. No, it's not. Nothing in this movie is how anything works. But yeah, it was just this like that really did get me that like you're you're setting like a Chekhov's gun type situation or whatever you want to call it, where like this dog can't bark and then the dog barks. But it's just like it's basically to annoy the two robbers. It's not like that the cops that had just shown up five minutes earlier could hear the dog or anything like nobody hears the dog. There's no payoff to a barking because he just drops the chandelier on them. And then the cops go like, you know what? We should go back to that house that we left. Also the cops leave the house because it smells bad because you know, when you're doing a wellness check on a house and there's a bad smell coming from the inside of it, you leave as a cop. Right. Uh, And we should point out that that bad smell is, uh, 
one Sonny Diaz's farts. Oh, yeah. He's he's hot boxing the house as they're trying to hide because he ate all these like because his terrible diet where he eats bologna sandwiches in the houses that they rob. Yeah. And he just hot boxed that house. And that was and it. it smelled so bad that it was seeped under the front door and to the front porch where the cops were standing. Yeah, well, they were standing like just outside of the glass windows of the door. Yeah, but it was like apparently seeping through. It was that bad. How how Dean Cain didn't die? Because <laughs> if it's that bad, I mean, that's noxious. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd, maybe that's why he was so weakened and was able to be taken out by the chandelier. Because even if... <laughs> Let's say the dog does the chandelier bit because classic comedy. I mean, sh- chandeliers falling on crooks, like just. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, d- um, definitely worth it. But then starts barking and that is then the cops hear the dog barking and decide to go back to check. Yes. But again, that's like, not that's the moment that, that the dog first barks, which would have made sense. Because you could have had like a, a moment where like Dean Kane like started to wake back up and was like going to get away. And so he the dog needed to bark to get the cops at that exact moment before he was able to get back up. But no, it was just he was already barking at that point. Yeah, it's. And the other thing is like the dog didn't even really save Christmas per se, because the crooks made an important point about how they weren't going to steal the Christmas presents. They were just going to steal the jewelry and yeah. cash and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the dog saved um, the the jewelry. Grand larceny. Yeah, the dog saved the jewelry, I guess. The dog saved non-liquid assets. Yeah. That doesn't have the same ring. The dog who saved the non-liquid assets in our house, that's not doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. Also, Belinda saved Christmas because she was the one who made the call to define we'll head back because... Clearly, you've now emotionally abused our children, and I have no choice. But uh, the only thing they will now accept for Christmas is seeing this dog again. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is. I gotta say, I think this is in the running for one of the worst movies we've watched. Oh, it's it's definitely because it's just a, if it's not the worst, it might be the well, worst. Well, let's. I mean, because the thing that we we haven't really brought up yet is that. I mean, if it's not obvious thus far, this movie is just a pretty lazy ripoff of Home Alone. Um, But with dogs. But with dogs, which, look, I want to be clear about something I love. Like, A+, Home Alone with a dog? That's why we watched this movie. Like, you sold me on your premise. But here's the thing. If you're going to be a ripoff of Home Alone, be a better ripoff of Home Alone. Home Alone has a mother character that's great. It's played by Catherine O'Hara. She's amazing. Home Alone has a really sound script. Like, it's actually really well written. It's really tight, the script. Home Alone has uh, the creepy neighbor that everyone's afraid of actually really matter in the end versus you just had Adrian Barbeau, like, hang out for a while be there yeah like and somehow the dog ends up at adrian barbeau's house yeah at the end that was well that was because that was what i was alluding to is that the dog was trying to get adrian barbeau and mindy sterling together right that's the real 
And who doesn't ship Adrian Barbeau and Mindy Sterling? I mean, let's be honest here. Oh, I mean, I Molly and I did immediately when we were watching this movie. And then when uh, it was implied that they... Because that was that the vibe you got? This is definitely the vibe I got from the movie. Because they were like, they met at singles night and they sang karaoke together. So it's like it's not explicitly said that they were at singles night to meet each other. But that's definitely how I took that. Yeah, this was not... A heteronormative singles night. No, no, this is they met at lesbian karaoke night for sure. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. So, but but weirdly singing Hava Nagila. I didn't quite understand that. Uh, but yeah, so you don't sing that. At, uh, 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 um, I, we got a lot of time left on this podcast, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to need it to dig into the silver linings for this. So should we, should I, we pivot now or, or let's shit on Dean Cain. We haven't done that yet. Oh, yeah. Dean Cain uh, is a garbage person. Oh, you meant in the movie. Okay, sorry. <laughs> in the movie, he's a garbage Honestly, person. Honestly, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Dean I just meant, let's, let's just... Just dunk on Dean Cain for a little bit. Dean Cain, who's playing himself in this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, no, Dean Cain is terrible. He's the worst Superman. And I don't even mean his show or his performance. I just mean, he's the worst person to have ever played Superman. Yeah. Yeah. He's terrible. I did enjoy earlier this year when he went on some like Fox news or something and tried to say like, nowadays they wouldn't let you say truth, justice in the American way as Superman. And then Tom King a comic book writer who writes current Superman and Batman stories <laughs> came out and was like, motherfucker, I did that this year and showed a panel from a comic <laughs> where it was in it. So that was a plus. Yeah. Good stuff. Duncan on Dean Kane is, is always good. Um, yeah, I mean, like Dean Kane, probably second most famous after you know playing Superman for playing Scott Peterson in the uh, Lacey Peterson movie of the week TV movie, and which fun fact he, honestly like he didn't have, came across creepier. I was gonna say fun fact about that he, he didn't have a script. They just were like, "What would you do in this situation, Dean Kane?" And then he just always said what he would have said or done, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then in the movie, he is the abusive George to Sonny Diaz's uh, IBS having Lenny. And it's it's just, it's sad. Which I also, again, this movie was not interested in answering these questions. I would have loved a deep dive onto how these two met and what their relationship is. The dog who saved Christmas origins. Yeah. Well, they, Steve and Sonny. We should mention at some point that they have made what, like ten of these. <laughs> like, this is a full. They made a lot. There's a full on franchise, and what's hilarious because I watched a number of the trailers is that Dean Kane uh, is in all of them. Mario Lopez dropped out, I think, after like the first two dog saved. But he things. came back later on. But he came back later on. Joey Lawrence, uh, you know, former, uh, you know, he's come up on uh, our Money Plane episode. Joey Lawrence takes over as Zeus. But yeah, like um, it's the same family and and the same robbers are constantly, um, you know, trying to ruin various holidays and events. Like there's a the dog who they saved Halloween a few times. They, yeah, like, hot, try, they try it. 
Zeus has to save Halloween. He saves Easter. He saves Christmas again. He saves Christmas vacation. I think one was just summer. Just, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The one where um, he saves Christmas vacation is he just uh, doesn't bark for the movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, like they ju- he just is quiet so they can watch the Christmas classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Fun. And the movie is just them watching Christmas Vacation. It's the best one. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's because that movie is good. It's great. But fun fact uh, about that movie as well, and this is real, is that Paris Hilton uh, voices a fancy dog in that movie. That's a real fact about the dog who saved Christmas Vacation. Dope. Yeah. Um, okay. So, are we we're doing this over linings? Is that what we decided? Did you, it sound like there's something else you wanted to malign about this movie? Okay, I don't look. I don't want to. This is not. I don't know what this is. I don't know how to classify this. But I just want to say because this movie is just ripping off better movies. Um, I don't. I usually I try to avoid this. You know, I I don't really like. You know, you and I have sort of carved a niche for ourselves pitching new projects that we would like to see. I usually we usually don't like script doctor movies. That's not what we're doing on this podcast. We're not trying right. to like make the script better. But I just if you're going to just rip off, uh, you know, Home Alone, and if you're going to rip off. Al Pal's arc in Die Hard by making it that the dog can't bark. Why not have Mario Lopez say this to explain why he doesn't bark? I barked at a kid. He was 13 years old. Oh, it was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun. Looked real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a dog cop, except how to live with a mistake. Anyway... I just couldn't bring myself to bark at anybody again. That's all. Because they do that in the movie, but just do it, you know? Yeah, I... I mean, I think that's a better addition to the movie than my pitch for The Dog Who Saved Christmas Origins, Ted and Stu. <laughs> uh, yeah, because they... So they have that scene... That I'm, <laughs> except it's way dumber. The idea in the movie is that Zeus barked and ruined. He tipped off the criminals after, like, so they got away. So they got away. So they basically do that, but a dumber version. So just go for it. But let's, yep, let's get some silver linings in here. All right. So this movie got one genuine laugh out of me. Oh, and. I'm curious. A second laugh of something that wasn't funny, but I laughed hysterically at it. Uh, I'm very curious what um, both of these are. All right. So when the Bannister family is uh, taking the car back to the house after leaving grandma's, mm-hmm. uh, Mindy Sterling, who I love, I, I'm, a, I'm a Mindy Sterling fan. I yeah. think she's funny. I think she's good. I think, yeah. Uh, well, can she, we just be on record that this podcast is we are Mindy Sterling fans? Yeah. Yeah, we are we are pro Mindy Sterling yeah. on the Silver Linings Playback podcast. Um so in the car she's singing reasonably well, all things considered. A little bit annoying, but she's singing um Silent Night. Mm-hmm. Uh Christmas, you know, Christmas Carol classic, you know, Christmas hymn. And uh the older son is unhappy with this. Mm-hmm. And he says that he is, if she keeps singing, he's just going to open the door and jump out of the car. 
And then in the very next shot, as the car rolls out of frame, you hear the door click and the brakes hit. <laughs> like, that's, I'm glad, like, that's great. Yes. No, that was, yeah, that was good. That, I, that, I got a genuine laugh out of that. Like that, I was like, they, they, they teased the thing and then they gave the thing. And I'm like, that's the best writing in the whole movie. Yeah, unequivocally. <laughs> that's the best writing in the whole movie. Uh, what was the other one? You said you had okay, another. So the thing that made me, this is not intentional comedy. It's two things. Um, it's at the end when just a troop of carolers show up. Yeah, that was weird. So two things made me laugh in this. One was the kid, a kid losing his mind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I enjoyed that. Too. <laughs> I'm so glad you're bringing that up. There's, there's just a kid like, <laughs> like just peanuts dancing in the front. Basically, is I guess the best way to describe it. Yeah, because um, let's be clear about this movie. I was amazed there were outtakes because it seemed like everything that they used in the movie was the first take. So the fact that they had footage that wasn't used in the movie was kind of shocking to me. But yeah, it's just a for some reason there's carolers. This scene shouldn't exist at all in the movie. It's pointless. But it, there's just one kid who's just being a kid. It's just and like. He's just like doing like this like orangutan dance, mm -hmm. like sort of like and not unlike it's just repetitive. Doesn't fit with anything. Yeah. And like that made me laugh hysterically. The other thing that made me laugh hysterically, so they're singing in this caroling scene, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Mm -hmm. And they sing the We Wish You a Merry Christmas, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, We Wish You a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year three times. Mm -hmm. They don't go to the next lines. Yep. They just three refrains yep. just keep going, circling back. And it's just like, like, there are more words to that song. Nope. That's it. Or they could have just done it once and had the same effect. They do it three times. Also, I'm going to I'm just going to say one more time. There's also no reason for this scene to be in the movie. So just to be clear. Oh, none. <laughs> it's not like the rest of the neighborhood welcoming them, welcoming them for. You no, know, these are people the we have never seen before. Never seen once. We have no idea. There wasn't any storyline reason for like this to be important, you know, at all. They're just there to fill time. Um, so yeah, so that got like a genuine anti-comedy laugh out of me. No, the kid's like, great. Yeah. Uh, the kid, the kid and the, the just repeating just the refrain of, we wish you a Merry Christmas. No, like good tidings we bring no. to you and your, no, none of that. No. Um, just the fact that they just hit the, the refer the chorus three times in a row. Mm -hmm. Yep. And like that, I just... Like it, it that played like a comedy sketch where the carol singers only knew one part of one Christmas song. Yeah, I also look and it was great. I'm going to this shouldn't count, but I, I will admit that I did laugh because of like just how much of a wet blanket they they make the wife be when they had the end where the dog has saved Christmas. So the family comes in. The chandelier is still on top of uh, Dean Kane and his uh, his partner. And Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. Also, for some reason, this movie couldn't be bothered to actually find handcuffs. So then I did laugh that they pretend to be handcuffed. Like, it's very clear that Joey Diaz is holding his wrist together and he does not have handcuffs. And it's also his hands are in front of him. They could have been behind his back and we never would have been able to tell. But he's got his hands in front of him. They're not bound in any way. The cops 
take them out, uh, you know, to the police car and then try to get the dog, which all of that was funny to me. But then the fact that they have this moment where Belinda finally sees the value of the dog and that she was, we'll say, well, I'll put in quotes wrong, uh, but that the dog serves a purpose that it did, in fact, save Christmas. The movie could have ended there. It doesn't. She then walks into the next room and goes, oh, everything. He made a mess. Like, like just the fact that they made a choice to have her immediately wet blanket five seconds after her big emotional turn really cracked me up because they just couldn't write her not terrible. Yeah, that's. Not a silver lining, but that is just wonderful. Um, <laughs> just the idea that like your dog dropped his chandelier on two robbers, but you're mad because they made kind of a mess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. What incel wrote this movie? I, I, don't, like, I don't know. I think it was written by like an 80s sitcom generator. Like just, <laughs> just a bot. <laughs> Just was like, nag wife says. <laughs> like, no, because it's seriously, but look, okay, but we're at the silver lining part. We're not maligning anymore. So, nope, uh, Ben Shapiro wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> look, I want to say, we, we alluded to it, but I want it to be clear right now. The implied love story between Mindy Sterling and Adrian oh, yeah. Barbeau is my biggest silver lining of this whole movie. Like, I, I love it. I love. I would have watched the entire movie where they meet at lesbian karaoke, and um, she definitely. Seems- so that's actually yeah. That's actually what we want is the dog who saved Christmas origins lesbian karaoke. Yeah, no, that's definitely it. Uh, I also very baffled by the logic of how they met at karaoke, considering it is made very clear that the grandmother that uh, Mindy Sterling is playing lives hours away. So I'm not sure why they crossed paths. But well, it seemed like they seems like they met a long time ago. OK. All right. So she maybe used to live. So she maybe moved. Okay. Maybe she lived closer and then she moved. OK. All right. Um, I'm just going to say they were I kept thinking again. I gave this movie the benefit of the doubt that there would be some payoff with them. There wasn't. I love the fact that there were just two mice that lived in their house and like made wisecracks. That's such a amazingly weird choice that like i really thought they were gonna like run up the legs of the robber or like i don't know that one of them would be afraid of mice or that there would be some kind of payoff to the fact that like because it's just straight up like like i did i'm gonna be honest i laughed at that point too because it felt like an snl sketch where when um belinda is just being a terrible wife and like uh you know, just the, she's the wet blanket and George is like, we should get a dog. She's like, what we should get is a cat to do something about these mice. And then it just cuts to two mice that are just hanging out in their living room. <laughs> like they're not running around. <laughs> they're just there. <laughs> like, and they just start talking. And it really did actually make me laugh. The idea that they just had two mice. Like, it felt like those Geico commercials or something. Like, just, there's just mice that just hang out in their living room. That they're so comfortable in their house. That they're just there at all times. Like, you'd almost expect them to cut to computer mice or something. Yeah. A la those Geico commercials. <laughs> yeah. But no, they're just two mice that have, like, children's voices and just hang out. 
in their living room at all times and smack talk the dog because all animals can communicate telepathically yeah with, e- with each other yeah all the dogs speak uh, each other like all the animals can all talk to only humans are incapable of this telepathic communication that all other animal species have in this movie um well there is a there is a great moment you know when the dog and the cat connect and they have a deep existential converse, uh, conversation about what it means to be a dog versus what it means to be a cat. Yeah. And the cat's very like, excited that it can pee indoors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, that that just felt, I don't know. I felt like the, the writers of this movie had more in touch with animal psychology than they did with human psychology. Oh yeah. No, the interiority of the animals was fascinating. And that's that clip that we played in the beginning. I mean, it's, it's, heart-wrenching how like much the dog understands that it is being abandoned and it it has failed zeus has failed at being a dog and it will haunt him forever yeah so that that was great i guess yeah um okay i have possibly i don't know if you have any more silver linings this is uh, i don't Okay. I'm out. <laughs> this is a stretch. I'm going to admit that it's a stretch, but uh as I've I've mentioned before on the show, I in fact live in Southern California. So when the opening shots of this movie were of Montrose and the shopping center there, I in fact uh my wife and I adopted our dog at that exact shopping center that you see in the beginning of the movie at a farmers market in Montrose. Uh, our, our pug, uh, Jolene, we were just there at the farmer's market. Uh, follow her at Jolene pug on Instagram. Yes, No, please do. She's great. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, last November we were at the farmer's market and, uh, the like, uh, Pasadena humane society just randomly had a like mobile adoption unit set up there at that exact location. And that's where we found Jolene and she's great. So the fact that the movie reminded me of my dog who has never saved anything, uh, but who is adorable. <laughs> Did almost ruin our episode last week. <laughs> Tried very hard. Yes. <laughs> the dog who ruined our podcast. So. Uh, it doesn't have the same ring. No. Actually, I do have I have one more small silver lining, um, and it's the bloopers. <laughs> okay. Because um, I think at one point in a scene where... Uh, Joey Diaz is supposed to like fake fart. Like he actually busts ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he definitely seemed to really and fart. That, and that was like, that was great. Yeah. Just, I, you know what? I'm, I'm a sucker for a fart joke. I'll admit it. I'm fine with who I am as a person and what that says about me. But that was like, <laughs> okay, that's also, and, and, it, and it was, and it grossed out Dean Kane. So like double bonus. Yeah. I mean, I think the real silver lining is that he farted in Dean Kane's face, which <laughs> would we all be so lucky to have that opportunity? I want to believe that was calculated because he had probably been working with Dean Kane for a while. And the fact that his name is Joey Diaz implies that he is of Latinx extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so probably hates Dean Kane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, also he's a human, so he probably hates right. he's a person who had to work alongside Dean Kane. <laughs> Which I hey, look, I will say, like, Dean Kane is in all of these movies, so they've continued maybe they've, you know, I don't know. Maybe they've both like found a growing admiration for each other, or maybe they both really like being paid to be in these movies. I don't know, but they both keep showing up, so 
We'll say that. I, I'm excited that in some of the subsequent ones, which let's be honest, we'll do at some point, uh, <laughs> that he seems to get in. His character seems to get into dressing uh, in costumes as ladies in later episodes. So that seems like good stuff. Hilarious. Because he's just, you know, like he's still, I assume, doing all the stuff he was doing in this movie. So eating bologna sandwiches and getting distracted. But as a lady... I mean, you got to heighten somewhere. Yeah. I'm waiting for the dog who saved the moon launch. Like, that's going to be. Oh, man. The dog. <laughs> yeah, I I do. You know what? Look, I know we're in the silver lining part. Not ridiculous enough. I just want to say this movie. You could like, I hope that the sequels really heighten this premise because I don't think the dog attacked the two of them enough. Yeah, I I think like if you're going to go home alone but with a dog, go home alone but with a dog. Right, cuz the only thing that like sort of just on the edge of doggy cleverness was the fact that he was like able to get out of the muzzle, able to untie himself, able to untie the chandelier. But like you could convince me that a dog could do those things. Maybe not with the same intent. Yeah. But you could convince me that a dog could like chew a knot apart or like, you know, dogs have gotten out of muzzles. Like that's a thing that dogs have done. Mm-hmm. Um, have the dog put the hot iron on the doorknob. Yeah. Why not? Like, why not? Why not? I mean, the, the best that they had in this movie, which maybe this is a silver lining. It's that because you know what? Just talking about all of this is very funny to me. So, the children who are horribly traumatized by being put in the middle of their parents' bad marriage uh, desperately are trying to save the dog from being returned to the pound. So the little girl, and it is not explained how, has a CD that is designed to teach dogs how to bark. And the CD is just dogs barking. <laughs> it's not any kind of instruction she hits play on the cd player and it's just dogs barking and like a bunch of dogs not a a dog like a chorus of dogs which like could have made sense if that was her thought process if for some reason she had a sound effects cd which i was we're doing a podcast is not going to surprise anyone i was a nerdy kid who made my own radio shows and i had sound effects cds as a kid so she could have just had a sound effects cd that had the sound of dogs barking that she was using to try to teach the dog how to bark because she thought maybe if you hear dogs bark that'll teach you how to bark but no it explicitly says on the cover that this is a cd that teaches dogs how to bark or even if they had the the dogs barking jingle bells cd why not like go all in which it. could have been fun because the so the point being that Zeus because he can't bark uh because he barked at that kid with the ray gun uh, that he uses the CD player to trick them into thinking that there is a bunch of dogs that are barking at them, I guess. Um, and uh, in doing so, uh, like that stalls them briefly. It doesn't really accomplish much, but um, it would have been funny if track one was just random dogs barking and then it just played long enough that it just the dog started barking jingle bells. That would have been good stuff. Or just went to different sound effects like a train. <laughs> yeah. 
just, it, it was just a sound effects CD, and so it went to the next sound effects track. Look again, if you're gonna rip off Home Alone too, why not do the uh, the whole like you filthy animals thing? What if the dog? <laughs> recorded human dialogue into a tape recorder and used it to trick the, them into thinking that a human was there. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Would have been perfectly good. I also just want to point out one more thing about George. His whole thing is that he like, you know, his, his wife, like they're trying to get something for home security he says that it should be a dog. She doesn't want it to be a dog. And then he picks the one dog that he knows cannot bark because he's told that at the pound. <laughs> like The one thing that the dog is supposed to do that she doesn't even want it to do anyway, it can't do. Yeah. yeah anyway. Uh, I think we did it. I mean. Yeah. Mindy Sterling and Adrian Barbeau. We did it in the first like five minutes of the episode. The rest yeah, of- we did it in the first. We did it right after intro. Yeah, I mean, um, the rest of this has just been us just, you know... Uh, yeah. Dunking on this movie. Dunking on this movie. Which, hey, there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't dunk on a dog with a basketball. That's true. <laughs> that was... If you got that reference, you're, you've, that's why you've listened to all these episodes of the show. Because that's the nerdiest deep cut that I've ever dropped. But enjoy. Um, And I, that's... Pr- probably a preview for a future episode of this podcast oh yeah there's a bunch of those too (laughs) yeah well as we always say there's no rule against dunking on a dog in a game of basketball and martian sci-fi does not play in middle america silver linings playback is a production of hobotrashcan.com if you enjoyed the show please rate or review it on apple podcasts Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hey, this is Chris. And this is Joe from the Curioso Podcast. And we give our stamp of Curioso approval to the podcast that you're listening to right now. 